This is Outcomes, a show about uncovering the hundreds of micro-innovations that help make Australia's healthcare system one of the best in the world. On the show, you'll meet the doers, the Australian clinicians, care workers and healthcare professionals driving the micro-changes we seek to showcase. Theirs are the stories we're here to tell. I'm your host, Will Egan, and I'm the CEO of Osmed Education. I'm really passionate about improving the health and prosperity of the people in my community. I believe Australia does have a great health system, and every conversation we have on this show highlights why. Today, we're speaking to Rebecca Pacey. Rebecca is the Chief People and Transformation Officer at Infinite Care, a national residential aged care provider in Australia. Rebecca brings a really creative approach to solving the common problems we all face in healthcare right now. In a moment, you'll hear how Infinite Care uses TikTok, of all things, to drive recruitment, a little bit about Infinite Care's internal management podcast, and Rebecca will share why new staff at Infinite Care get a blue hat and what's written on it. All right, let's jump in. Thanks so much for being on the show, Rebecca. I'd love you to introduce yourself. Thanks, Will. It's a pleasure to um, be here today and also so thank you very much because I'll um, always love to talk about aged care and anything that we can do collectively to improve what a great, cool place it is to work and all the differences, I guess, that we can make in the sector. So, yeah, my role is Chief People and Transformation Officer, sorry, at Infinite Care. So we're a residential aged care provider. We've got 17 facilities across South Australia, New South Wales and Queensland relatively new entrant into the market. So I think we've been in operation for about seven to eight years, but the last sort of four to five years has been sort of exponential growth. We, you know, our workforce is approaching about two and a half thousand and we've got about 1900 resident beds across the country. So we've got additional greenfield development happening at the moment in Victoria and most likely that we'll continue to grow either through greenfield or ongoing acquisition, which is how we've grown to date. So just recently, KPMG, I think it was KPMG, uh, we've just entered the top 25 of uh, providers in the country. So we're definitely up there as as a medium-sized privately owned business. Yeah, so we're like most people in our sector, dealing with all of the workforce challenges, the complexity of the the regulatory reform. So it's a really challenging but also really fun place to work. And so from my my role is about trying to ensure that we have the very best people for the roles that we have, that we're proactively creating and influencing a culture that people want to work in, that we're attracting new people from outside of the sector. And the transformation piece of my role is a slight extension of what we are trying to do as a business in terms of transforming the service offering and the experiences that we're offering to our residents, but also in alignment uh, necessarily with our staff. And so that means that, you know, we're running a series of projects about standardisation of services. What does the future of the experience look like for our residents into the future? So yeah, I love my role. I get to do the people side, which I love from a HR perspective, but really looking at that 
overarching business experience that everybody's having, whether they're a resident or a staff member. And from, you know, our perspective as a business, they sort of go hand in hand. But I'll, I'll uh, talk your ear off, Will, about my passion for aged care. <laughs> oh, yeah, and we'd love to hear it. But I think maybe that's also another nice area to kind of ask you about because you haven't always worked in aged care and, and at the moment the sector's calling out for people to enter from other walks of life. I think on the 1st of December 2023, part of the Governing for Reform changes encourages advisory boards to set up, be set up if they're not already set up. And representation on that advisory board, the advice has been that it's broad and it's representative of society, community at large, maybe people who are not normally interfacing with the aged care sector or or leading the organisations in that area. Is my understanding correct that your background is outside of aged care, maybe more in the consulting and kind of general business transformation space? Tell us a little bit about that. I had originally done a, a degree in HR, but, you know, paths lead, lead you in different directions and doors open. Yeah, so I've had, I guess, experience in either change programs, consulting, managing teams and uh, across a whole variety of different roles. But, yeah, so experience principally most of my corporate career was initially with BHP. So I think most, you know, people would know BHP of old anyway was, the, you know, the biggest resource company that Australia had at the time. So mining, engineering, any and all steel production. Uh, then I did a stint with PwC Consulting or Management Consulting Services, as it was called. After I'd been there for, I think, about four years, there was a big debacle. I'm showing my age, but with Enron in the United States. And um, that meant that a lot of the big four consulting firms actually sold their consulting businesses off. So we were procured at that time by IBM Global Services. And then I think I had another three and a half, four years with them. So, you know, I think my tenure with that organisation was about seven or eight years. So after that, I crossed over into working for some smaller enterprises and doing, I guess, some consulting in that space was really interesting. I think a lot of people that have quite long corporate careers often stay in that, whereas I had some exposure to some entrepreneurial, very fast-growing small businesses. And I found quite interesting that to bring a new level of some of the key principles that I'd learnt from a corporate structure into sort of a smaller enterprise business and the progress that you could see from a marketing perspective to have some of that rigour, but not the rigour to the degree necessarily that the corporates have. So I've sort of uh, ended up enjoying that space, but most definitely being involved with very fast paced high growth businesses in that period. So probably about 10 or 11 years ago, though, I had an experience. My mum contracted, I guess, a terminal illness, very young, was actually had to be put into aged care at 62 because there was nowhere else in essence for her to go and she wasn't able to support with the support structures we had in place and had a pretty ordinary experience. It was a really awful time for our family when my mum died in respite care and just the reactions and the process that we went through with not just that provider, but some other providers that we were dealing with and um, left me with a pretty bad taste, to be honest, about aged care. Would never want to have been in aged care myself. And um, anyway, serendipitously, I put that, I guess, behind, you know, didn't think too much more, but just always thought that I never wanted to deal with aged care and how depressing and what 
an awful place it was and what improvements that they could make most definitely from a customer service perspective in particular because I felt that was extremely ordinary. A couple of years later, a friend of a friend uh, introduced and wanted me to do some consulting work in in a business that was starting up in the sector and, um, yeah, did some consulting over a period of time and guys kept trying to convert me to join their business and I kept my clients and, anyway, after a period of time, cut a very long story short. they eventually won. Eventually won and about five years ago and in that process, anyway, I'd actually fallen in love with the sector and, you know, I think I've said to you before, Will, I don't really find aged care a place where people sit in the middle ground on the fence. I always feel it's one of those, it's quite a polarising sector. You either work in it and you think it's, no, this is just not for me and, and you're out or you become very passionate and, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I feel every day you go to work and you contribute in some way. While I'm not directly working on the front line, I know that every decision that we're making as an executive um, has a really direct impact on the experience either that our resident or the trust, I guess, that their family has instilled in us to look after their loved one or directly into our team and and making them better to deliver those amazing experiences for our residents. And so we do talk about it from the perspective of how can we make it a fun place to work. Maybe, you know, I think sometimes we're starting to turn the dial to be more fun because we'd say happiness is just so different from everybody else. But how do we make it and how do we build communities within our homes so that people or residents that that come into our home aren't just sort of being pushed off into a bed or or being left and forgotten about and and it becomes an, a place where they it's a new chapter and journey just in their life story but how can they share in that and how can we contribute to this new chapter so that they have beautiful time at a, you know, a pretty sort of important time, I guess, in their life. And so it's really, I think, about the experience. So things like care and the service that is around that, they should just be given by providers. And, you know, we have all those regulatory reforms and so forth to enable that there, that it is. But you can deliver care in different ways so that people can still have, you know, really outstanding experiences, connections with staff members or connections with children when we're running into intergenerational programs or whatever. So, yeah, that's sort of where we come. I think that's a good place to maybe introduce our first initiative that you've implemented, perhaps in along those veins. Can you tell us a little bit about the We Make Aged Care campaign that you've put in place? You know, why, why did that come about and what does it involve? So um, about, it'd be just over 12 months ago, about 15 months ago, I went to a conference. It wasn't ACPA, it was a, a different one, but it was specific about workforce. Just felt very, left that feeling a bit depressed because I was like, hang on, like the talk was, was in our sector 15 months ago was, you know, very dow. And everyone's just come off the back of COVID, a huge amount of fatigue, or we're still going through COVID. But, you know, the worst of that, I guess, at that point was sort of, you know, or, or, or it was our new, it was our new baseline, I think is is a better way of putting that. And I just was like, we can't all sit there expecting, waiting for the government or anybody. And I was sitting then the, the week after that in our executive leadership team. And I'm like, my gosh, guys, we've got to stop this. Like, you know, this vernacular and, and changing our approach 
approach in the sector to speak positively. Yep, things aren't always great, but I don't think anywhere in life if we sit and, and my philosophy is I'm very much a glass sort of half full person and we need to encapsulate that in every commentary we're making and everything. So, But I said we, we have to engage and we have to bring that leadership through and have people in our business changing that, yes, for our business, but actively engaged in, in setting a new tone for our sector. Because if we enable the media to continue to target us, it has such a huge impact on the consumer and their ability to trust us on an ongoing basis as a provider. So not just us, but the sector as a whole, like has had major trust issues. But as well as that, then who would want to come and work in an environment where, you know, there's this perception that so many people in aged care are bad people that bash residents up? Well, truth of the matter is that's just actually not what it's like and it's such a small thing. So it was also just off the back. Small, but it does catch it does. the the ear. Yeah. So they're, they're quite isolated events, I think people lose sight of, Correct. you know, the fact is there 1.4 million Australians in an aged care service, be that residential or home care, and 360,000 people working across the sector. And whilst those events obviously are not acceptable, there are a lot of people who are passionate about aged care. Was that the contrast that you were observing? Absolutely. And and it was a period where we were finding that our terminations were skyrocketing. And some of that was, I just can't deal with this anymore. I can't deal with feeling professionally targeted or the volume of complaint all the time and the distrust that was coming from a consumer. From the community at large or from the residents and their family? Yeah, a little bit of both. And and that was prefaced off the back that, you know, there were stories every other week that we'd gone through a period where there was a target. So that's changed in, in that 15 months, which is wonderful because I think the sector as a whole is sort of banded together and understood that. But yeah, we I came back from that and I'm like, oh, we're going to do something different. Tongue in cheek, as I do, I have these 2am thoughts and drive my team crazy. I come in and go, oh, I've had a thought last night and they all scuttle. But um, we just come off the back of Donald Trump and there wasn't the controversy necessarily around him that there is now and he was doing that whole campaign, you know, going to make America great and he was wearing his red hat and I said, oh, you know what, I reckon we should do something. We could do a campaign and get our blue army together and so forth. So it was a bit tongue-in-cheek. Not everybody sort of got it at first but it was, you know, that was the creative behind it, yeah. So what we've done then is that we had these hats printed which um, I, I should actually be wearing it, sorry for you. You can probably see one up on the bookshelf behind me, but it actually says, I make, yeah, I make aged care great. And the back of it actually just says, just ask me how. And so we went out and we used it as part of an engagement campaign that's still going. And now we have an ambassadorship program around it. It forms a really strong part of our orientation for new employees and they get the hat. They don't just get the hat though without making a pledge. So we actually have a formal pledge that they have to sign and take carriage of that hat. And it comes with a significant amount of responsibility. And that's about you speaking positively about aged care, where you get an opportunity to wear it on the bus, wear it on the train, wear it in a fun run. We want you to wear it and we want you to wear it with pride because what you do is incredible and we need to start to change the narrative that exists and we can't do that alone. 
the sector needs everybody from a ground roots level out there messaging like that. So we've had so many of our team buy into that and each site has a, a mascot bear that has that and there are various activities all the time and that's used as a mascot. We have teams that will go and do community events and for our business, we actually found that quite empowering and people have loved that they feel that they personally understand that it is actually that they can make a difference. And, you know, no change is always those things. It, it comes from like a groundswell, doesn't it? And and the more people that buy into that, the better. So we just use that, yeah, we use that on an ongoing basis. Yeah, has the groundswell been there? Maybe I'll ask two quick questions. I think, there has, yeah, has the groundswell been there? What, what are the numbers that you've seen in terms of that? engagement. I'm curious as well as to what the costs of a campaign like this might be. Imagine it'd be quite efficient. Yeah, so the cost for us, I mean, there's obviously the hats and so forth. I think they're like, you know, maybe $10 per person. We get them done in bulk. We've had some done. People can actually jump on our website. Sounds a bit kitschy, but we've said, oh, well, we've actually done a range that if people want to buy a hat now for their kids or whatever, we've done one that says, you know, my mum makes aged care great or whatever. My kids, they just cringe because, you know, it's, oh, God, one of mum's left to send to things again and and, um, make them wear a hat down to Bunnings and stuff like that that. My mum, my nan, whatever. So that was just done. Again, many of these things are just important about, you know, starting conversation. In terms of what it's done, like I would use as an example, um, we did an engagement survey last year, really depressing from my perspective as the chief of people, delivered it in a manner that we always had, but people were just really down. The commentary was awful. I think we got a response rate of like 23%, like massive, massive fail, massive fail um, from the perspective, you know, like that's just... You'd normally expect 50 or 60% or higher? 80%? 80%? Well, yeah. I mean, if you got 50, I think in a lot of organisations that that would be okay. I'm a little bit competitive. I always like to get nine out of 10 at least. So we're not knocking it out of the park. We didn't quite get there that this year, but we've done a lot. After that, we specifically, I put a, a specific dedicated engagement role into the team and that, and they've had responsibility to help across the business build a community strategy, which is what we've wanted to work through. How do we increase connectivity? But focusing all the time on not just our staff in isolation, but how can we do that, you know, collectively with our residents, which, you know, is important because we can never lose touch with why we're always here and and what that means for them. But yeah, so I guess, you know, look, it's, it's not just the campaign, it's all the little things that we each do. And every leader in our business does and says every day that can make the change. So, but I think with that thinking and people thinking, okay, we definitely, we need to move to that lens of being positive. But, you know, I'll use that so that, you know, the depressing outcome of our engagement survey last year, eight weeks ago, we had our engagement survey this year, was run in a very different way. We used a, an external provider, whereas we'd done it before. I think that makes a difference. But we really overturned the way we've had ongoing programs. We do quarterly special events. And this year, we had a 75% response rate and we had a 82 plus 
Yeah, 82% plus overall engagement positivity. So in terms of where we are in the sector and and the feedback from our provider has been it's probably one of the highest that they'd seen recently, but it's every single person on these things leaning in and I might have this role from an executive perspective and, you know, we've got a great CEO that's got lots of energy, but unless we're just, it's every single person from a cultural change perspective or, or moving a thing has to actually lean into it. And so, yeah, I'm probably proud about that because I think it started a lot of new conversations and people being really proud about they should be proud. Like it's it's extremely noble to work in aged care. In the last couple of months, we've had some different focuses, but we're just re-energising that because again, you know, like everything, everything has to always, you've got to be moving with the times and amping it. So we're just doing a new strategy at the moment in terms of what that looks like. We've put ambassadors in place. So we're going to be really driving through our ambassador program. That might be a good opportunity to segue into another one of your initiatives, Moving With The Times. I was going to talk about the podcast, but I might leave that to the end. I think the most salient segue here is to talk about TikTok. (laughs) By my account, yeah, you're the only healthcare provider that I've come across with a TikTok, and it does involve your residents as well, which is nice. Tell us a little bit about the genesis of that. Again, in the vein of making aged care great, probably from an attraction perspective, particularly for employees or future employees, they need to have a lens and see, well, you're telling me it's fun. Like, oh, how can I really believe you that it is? But one of the biggest things, if you look at, you know, since my time here anyway, the average age of, of our employees actually been considerably declining. So, you know, the average age within aged care was, you know, heading up towards 50 for a lot of providers, probably five, six years ago in our business. And in, in the last couple of years, the average age of our employees been declining declining, which is fantastic. So it's roughly around just 39 point something now, which is quite a big shift. And we really have to explore what the new generation is wanting. And we've also got to explore means in which they communicate. So they're constantly on their phones. We have to accept that. I've got teenage children. It drives me crazy, but I've had to accept it because that's life and that's how you communicate. So we've definitely had to look at different means of how do we connect at all different ages. On acceptance, though, if I can cue a few questions up for you, I'm curious as to how I think we can all accept that teenagers use TikTok. How do you get to a level of comfort as an executive where you accept that the business needs to do that and engage in what is, as a medium in its own right, a rather fun and risque platform? Yeah, we have it centralised, most definitely. So we have a team that I guess do that and cautious about content. With our residents, they only ever participate, obviously, if they've done consent forms. So we have all the back end of that if you if you want to. We actually have some people that it's really good from a marketing channel. We've had a couple of campaigns go viral and, and it's been really good because people see, well, hang on, it's not such a dreary place or anything. And so at the moment, we're really just using it to have our staff know and have fun. Like we've got this amazing facility manager actually in Toowoomba. I would say an old school facility manager that's come up through the nursing ranks and you would just never believe that how she's hooked in, like she's now done wraps and it's been so nice for the camaraderie of the business. And we have some competitions that we'll throw out and it's like, you know, essentially 
your stuff in you're going to do or who, who's who got the best TikTok, it'll go up and all the rest of it. So it's just part of that fun. So you source those TikToks from the, the staff group across the business? So some of them you'll see are some of our marketing team here in our corporate support centre. But yeah, no, absolutely. They come from the facilities or... I have seen some with carers as well playing games with residents, chess or... Yeah, it's been lovely. Oh, absolutely comes with risk, right? But unfortunately, social media platforms do. They come with risk for business. What are the risks here? Yeah, somebody goes rogue and, you know, it has a consequence for our brand, as an example. I mean, I think we need to be realistic about that, that it's misused or that we have some profiles of residents that haven't had their various releases, you know, that a family member's not happy potentially, even though their family member might have indicated. So there's there's always all of those risks. But we all, as businesses, I think we need to be moving in the direction about, again, what actually connects with people and knowing and understanding that, you know, TikTok might not be something that connects with everybody, but if there's a cohort in our business that it does, we're always willing to be really innovative and try new things to really support our staff. And it seems like it absolutely is resonating. I think some of the TikToks have thousands of likes and tens of thousands of views. Yeah, they do. We've had a couple that have gone viral, if you want to call it. And it's just, it's more because it's just, you know, just, they're very simple. Like, I'm not sure if you've seen anything, but really simple things. But, you know, it really, again, is that connectivity. Yeah, it's that connectivity and people, you know, and we like to also where we can, like we've had some, we want to draw on the wisdom of, of our residents and how can we get our staff or younger generations to learn from everything. Like some of our residents have had the most amazing, incredible lives and what can we do to help share their stories so but yeah TikTok came about again through one of these mediums was another way to connect like we have various mechanisms for communication so generic emails we run teams channels for our staff so every member of our team right across the business has a corporate email account which still these days is not always as common in aged care that's enabling them though that they have access to our intranet that they can use we use teams channels, we call it infinite chatter. So everybody's on chatter and that's so that we can put messaging out in the moment to our team. So it could be the CEO, myself, it might be that, you know, it's a a particular day, World Happiness Day, are you okay? It gives us another platform to message. Yeah. So we're sort of, I guess we're trying all different mediums. Always exploring different mediums. Yeah. Because, you know, we need to be flexible and, and not be so staid to think that, you know, what we think from a leadership perspective is necessarily really the way that we're connecting. People connect in different ways because everybody's different. Yeah, I think you're crossing that intergenerational kind of chasm, if you will. Maybe that's not a great metaphor, but whilst the average age of most health service workforce has been falling, I don't think the same phenomenon has been playing out at an executive level. If at all, maybe it's rising or at least stagnant. And probably the average, you know, the average age there being closer to, say, 60 versus 40 is a generation in its own right. So, of course, that generational gap would be there. Maybe to finish finish us off, tell us about podcasting. You're on the Outcomes podcast, but this isn't the only podcast you regu- or you visit or you've, you've appeared on. There's another one that you're more regularly on. Tell us a little bit about that, Rebecca. 
I guess similarly, leadership development is something that's really important. And, you know, from a performance perspective, the, the rate of growth that we've had. So leadership capability is an issue right across the sector. But from our perspective as a business, we embarked on a leadership program pretty much at all different levels of our organisation. So, you know, there's opportunities. We run programs for our, our emerging at a clinical level at the moment, but we we have a a leadership, I guess, capability matrix. And so we look at that on all different levels. We've been using some external consultants. So we run a program, we call it Kinfolk, and Kinfolk is specifically for our managers or our top 50 managers, if you want to call it, or roughly that in the group. And and that's where we push through a Teams channel. We, We have messaging around key leadership things that we'd be wanting them to focus on. We stream, or Luke and I in particular, Look, our CEO, we're quite ferocious leaders and followers of various different individuals. So we try and share that out with our teams to have them opening up and and really trying to move to a growth mindset. We've had a consult, you know, the types of Simon Sinek this morning. So start with why leaders eat last. Yeah. Um, today I had something out for the team. I don't know if you know Dr. Kirsten Ferguson. So she's done quite a lot of work, I think, with QUT, done some work in our space, but she has a book out called Head and Heart Leadership. So as an example, I think that really resonates, particularly for a human services business, as a, you know, and, and also a business from our perspective that, you know, 75% of our workforce is female. So the thinking around that, I think sometimes, particularly with women, you need to really connect in with their heart. So my post today was was around that. So it's just encouraging people to read, think outside the paradigm that they might have, how they're growing themselves. But yeah, we with um, as part of that, we run a series of webinars where we talk about topical things. We have an external facilitator, but we we were finding sometimes that everybody, particularly if they're working in a facility, wasn't always accessing that. So I like you, had worked out, well, the average commute, roughly 20 minutes. You tell me that you don't have time, you can't read the emails. Well, I think we can fix that because, well, you can listen to a podcast on the way to work. So, yeah, I had um, I pulled our PC team together and said, okay, well, let's work on this, then worked with the marketing team. So that's called, um, yeah, Honey, We Grew the Team. And we just talk about, I guess, general challenges pretty much from the HR leadership lens. And I guess some of our managers, one of our managers who, who again, is, is a little bit old school, rang me and was really excited. And this is the feedback I always love. She goes, I've never, never listened to a podcast before, never even heard of a podcast. Now I'm on Spotify and I'm listening to a podcast and I love it. And I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, some people probably think, you know, there's probably moments of it that, you know, might be a bit cringy or whatever. But, you know, a lot of people have been, you know, we've got feedback that they've liked that, you know, we've been quite sort of, well, we hope down to earth and offering advice and practical solutions of things that people are sort of dealing with every day in our business. It was intentionally really a tool for our managers, but we then had some feedback. Well, okay, there's an opportunity. So our marketing team have been using it and sharing it more widely on LinkedIn, which for me, I'm, I'm not really an out there person, so it's a bit cringy, but it's all good. But yeah, not not everybody's going to like it. But yeah, if you know, I'm always, if somebody takes a point 
Oh, thank you. But yeah, I always just say, look, you know, if we can connect in any way with one person and they take from any podcast, any communication they have, just one thing that's going to help to ease the role that they have or help them connect better with a team member or a colleague, then I always think the initiative's been really positive. So we've had some feedback, but it's all, all of this, I guess, is about changing our lens. Like, you know, I'm ageing, but we've always got to be open to the fact that, yeah, people learn differently, they connect differently and they need to hear messages in different ways. And so that's sort of, I guess, how we're formulating how we're engaging as a business and how we're leading as a business and being really open to that vulnerability. Again, I mean, Brené Brown, as an example, she talks about the courage that it takes to be vulnerable. So, you know, we need to do that and we need to understand that sometimes some of the things we do, we're going to fall flat in our face and fail from them and we just got to, you know, I love as well, um, uh, yeah, be a goldfish. You know, what's his name? Ted Lasso, be a goldfish. And I didn't get that, but, you know, a goldfish has got a 10-second memory. Well, I'm not not a Ted Lasso fan. <laughs> yeah, I haven't watched it enough to know what I'm talking about. He does seem very positive though. Yeah, you fall over, you flop down, and then you got to pick yourself up and dust yourself off and just keep moving forward. So that's what, yeah, that's what we're trying as a business. Well, I think that's great. Well, I think on that note, and especially your comments a minute ago or so about even the small changes, if they do make that little incremental bit of difference, they're absolutely worth it. It's the essence of what this show is about. And it's certainly been the essence of our conversation today. So I think on that note, I'd love to thank you on behalf of our listeners for sharing those uh, examples with us. We wish you all the best. I think you've got a few new TikTok subscribers and podcast subscribers. And thanks again for being on the show, Rebecca. Thank you, Will. Appreciate it very much. You've been listening to Outcomes, a show about uncovering the hundreds of micro-innovations that help make Australia's healthcare system one of the best in the world. This podcast is produced by Osmed, one of Australia's leading providers of educational content and software to the health, age, disability, community and allied health sectors. To find out more, head to our website, osmed.com.au. To make sure you don't miss an episode of Outcomes, be sure to subscribe to or follow the show in your favourite podcasting app. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review as it really helps others to find the show. I'm Will Egan, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Outcomes. Outcomes.